0: Twice and, keep Play twice and keep listening hi teamsters i'm Ann. and i'm allison and this is podcast without an audience where two friends pick two topics and find intersections or not and i've been waiting <laughs> for this, for this week, day
1: this day this moment this
0: day do you know what this day is drum roll do drum we need roll, a drum please. roll yep Karen, this is the last day we are recording this podcast in this room
1: goodbye room goodbye room goodbye bed
0: goodbye rock under the bed goodbye, it's the bye, end of rock. an era it is the end of an era guys ray and i bought a house which i'm super fucking excited about <laughs> <laughs> super excited for you but at the same time like i i get really like you know used to spaces and really yeah. like I don't know. I-, I love my spaces.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's time for more space and new space and different lighting mm-hmm. and a new podcast room. I know. Yeah. Carrie and I are going to have an actual place
0: to record. It's a and Christmas
1: miracle. We're going to decorate it potentially entirely themed as Harry Potter, mm-hmm. uh, fried green tomatoes
0: and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Wow. Don't don't forget about Rosie O'Donnell and the L word. Oh, for sure. What if we just decorated it with pictures of our faces?
1: Oh, my God. Can we please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's our podcast
0: room. We can do whatever the fuck we want. I've had people tell me that I don't look like the, the, the bust before. They're like, what? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, bitch, that's me. I'm gonna put that on everywhere in our podcast room.
1: We should get actual busts of ourselves oh, for shit. your new house.
0: <gasps> and put them on little um, yes,
1: little little things. Oh, my God. We could macrame a bust of each of us. Oh, my Not God. Not macrame. Uh, what's the? Paper, the paper, paper mache. Paper mache. I was paper,
0: close. Papier mache. Papier mache. <laughs> um, du fromage. What if we did? This just came to me. So feel free to shoot this down. Okay. Go for it. Heads are our heads. Body of a gargoyle. Thoughts? Sold. Right? <laughs> Hands down.
1: <laughs> the most brilliant idea you have ever idea. had second to starting a podcast. I can
0: put them at the bottom of my stairs going up to my house to protect <gasps> the home. I love this. right Because who's going to fuck with me if I have these fucking like, <laughs> weird gargoyles? It's the most
1: beautiful idea I've ever heard. Do you know, I want to be a gargoyle.
0: Do you know anybody who actually has gargoyles? I know one person.
1: I don't. Boston's I'm really disappointed mom. to hear that. I don't. I guess. Yeah. I also know Boston's mom. Does that count? Yes. Okay. Then yes,
0: I know yes. Boston's mom. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a choice, right? Right. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle choice, and it's, <laughs> it's a commitment. Like if you're gonna have a gargoyle outside your house, right? That's an aesthetic. Go big or thing. go home. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not small either. It's pretty. It's pretty. Like in between like yep. you know bread box to pterodactyl it's like somewhere in between for sure it's bigger than ob yeah smaller than a great dane correct which they also have yep <laughs> Link so really, there. if you lined up the three, Obi, <laughs>
1: their Gargoyle, and the Great Dane, you'd have small, medium, large. There we go. Goldilocks style. So that should really put everything into perspective for all of our listeners who are wondering what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs>
0: right. I've also, um, when I was waiting for you, when I was waiting to pick you up before this, I was Googling like welcome mats because Ooh. I want to get, because my, I love the welcome mat we have for here. It says Bears Beats, Beats Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. Yep. But we you can't do that twice, right? You got to get a new mat.
1: Yeah, and it can't say welcome. No. No, I because about, that will invite like bad energy into your house. Like vampires need an invitation to come in. Right. If your doormat says welcome, you are welcoming a vampire into your home. Have you thought about this?
0: No. Well, <laughs> no, I haven't. Um I've been trying to think of friends related ones and I've seen I've seen one that says welcome friends or friends welcome. Uh huh. And it has, like, the little friends. Sure. I saw this other one, which I wouldn't actually get, but I thought was kind of cool for maybe somebody else. It was, it said, like, delivery, basically, it was a thing where if you're a delivery person, the question was, were Ross and Rachel on a break, yes or no? Oh, I've then, seen those. And you put the package on which yes, side. Yes, that's so cute. They were definitely on a break. Uh, That's they a non-negoti. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. I don't know if you guys have any ideas for some really brilliant doormat doormat ideas. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. let a girl know. Mine at my old house was a rainbow mm-hmm. because
1: obviously mm-hmm. and I don't have one for my new house.
0: You got to get one. I
1: know. We just haven't been able to commit to one yet.
0: I know. Well, you know, it's a, it's big, a big, big commitment. It's a big I mean, step. living together is one thing, but choosing a, doormat? choosing a doormat is a whole other thing that it feels long term at that point. Now, we haven't talked about your relationship on on this season. No, we haven't. Would you like to? I have one. I have a relationship. Boom. It's not a weighted
1: blanket either. (laughs) (laughs) It was for a long time. It's a whole ass person. (laughs) Now it's a real human being. Yeah. God, so much has changed. I know. I've
0: moved. You're moving. You've got the same
1: partner. I've got a new partner. We're all booed
0: up. Speaking of, I asked Ray if I could talk about this on the podcast because last night we were having this really interesting conversation. And I don't remember how we got there, but I want to get your opinion on it. Oh, tell me, tell me. So we were talking about celebrities that we thought were beautiful. Sure. And that we might want to have relations with. Absolutely. Can you guess his number one? Hillary Swank. No. Hillary Swank? It was the most random person <laughs> I can think of. <laughs> It is surprisingly close to uh, this podcast, even, and and us. What? Not us, but...
1: Okay, 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 okay. Let me think. I have no idea. Lady Gaga. <gasps> right. Lady Gaga. Lady
0: Gaga. He's like, I feel like she's into some freaky shit. <laughs> and I was like, you're you're not wrong, probably. He's I like, mean, she just gives off that energy. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Do you know your partner's... Uh, Celebrity crush? Oh, I can find out really
1: quickly. Oh. Should I find out really quickly? Yeah. Um, I feel like I should know this
0: actually. Well, I think it changes too. And I think we were talking about the difference between finding people attractive and actually wanting to sleep with them because part of part for me, part of the attraction is is them needing to be funny and also really smart, which has nothing to do with the way that they look. I think
1: I know my partners now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. Okay, so I just texted her and I said, who's your celebrity crush? Also, can I share this on the pod? Also, (laughs) is it Julia Roberts?
0: Ooh.
1: Because I'm 90% sure it's Julia Roberts.
0: That's a good one. It
1: is a good one. Um, Gorgeous. Less kinky than Lady Gaga.
0: No, she's a Marilyn. She's, She's. Yeah, she's a classic. She's classic. Yeah.
1: So we're going to find out at some point during this podcast episode. Perfect.
0: Just I will shout, shout it out. out.
1: I was right. Okay, good. I'm going to go ahead and put that onto the universe. Perfect. Because I feel like this is something at this point in a relationship that you should know about the other person. We're living together. I should know your celebrity cr- celebrity crush. Your celebrity crush. Yep. dot com.
0: Yep. Well, we got to keep ours a secret because you know we Naturally. give if we give away the goods
1: now, then are know. we celebrities? Do we count? <laughs> no. Should, no. our, should our partners
0: pick us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: not more celebrity than the
0: That's celebrities hilarious.
1: talking on this.
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> I will never forget. I was in this is such a long intro, but I'm gonna fucking tell the story anyway. Let's do it. When I was in college, I was in some short films, and somebody recognized me at. I've had I've been recognized what? twice in my life, none of which have been through because of this podcast. <laughs> they were all for for like, uh, film things I did. One was in Harris Teeter, and then the other one. Somebody was like, "Oh my God, w- were you Frankenfurter and, and Rocky?" You last have week got or whatever? To be kidding me? And I was like, "Yes, what? I was." Thank Heck you. Yes, I was. Yeah, it was. It was the best. Ta- it was the best day of my life. That's
1: incredible. Yeah. So, anyway, I feel like we don't talk about that time in your life enough. Well, we'll come back to it. But we can.
0: College we was We did a do a whole
1: rocky episode so we
0: did also we talked about this earlier but we graduated college 10 years ago so which I don't know how that's possible that feels like fake news to me yeah I've
1: been marinating <sighs> on that sorry I don't mean to be I was sitting on something and it was really hurting my butt turns out I was sitting on a pen on a pen okay like a, like a writing pen yeah. not like a pokey pen right,
0: right, right But it was large and hurt <laughs> large and hurt I don't know why that's over there but <laughs> <laughs> all right okay. speaking of podcasts we have one and we should talk about what we're here for I would love to do that. What is our psychology topic today, my dear? So,
1: I wormhole. We do this from... I feel feel like this is going to be the theme of the season. Like, you pick a topic and you wormhole for two or three episodes, and then I pick a topic and wormhole for a few episodes. For some reason, I'm really into that
0: this season. I think I I am, too. I think I am only interested in exploring something if I can, like, do it
1: right. Really get into it. Like, soak up all the goodness, and then if it lasts for one episode, then great. And Mm -hmm. if it lasts for three, that's cool, too. Yeah. So, I have no shame. The partner says, sure... I think that was a sure I can share celebrity crush. She says, when I was younger, she was loved me some her. Mm -hmm. Feel that. Also, Nia Long. Who's Nia Long? I'm sorry, Nia Long, if you're listening to this. Let's Google that. I'm Googling you.
0: Nia Long. Nia.
1: Oh, she's pretty. Okay. What do we know her for? I don't know, but. One of the top searches is her baby daddy. That's insulting. Best known for her work in black cinema, including Boys in the Hood, And Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She appeared in Friday, Love, Jones, and Soul Food. Okay, I do recognize her. Oh, I do too. Yep. That took me a second. Too long. Okay. So, back to the podcast. So I wormholed. My last episode was Exorcisms. Today, we are sharing stories of exorcisms. The title of this episode is I Survived. Oh! Exorcisms. Except that not all these people survived. Oh, shit. Yep. Sorry. (laughs) I probably could have come up with a more clever name, but that just felt like it worked.
0: I might have survived.
1: I could have survived Mm -hmm. potentially.
0: The Exorcist. Have you? I'm. This is going to be such a squirrely episode. Have you seen? Have you seen the interview of Miley Cyrus that everybody's like playing into her voice is like way down here. No, and then people have been like pairing that with the Exorcist voice. Oh, I know. Too soon? Maybe.
1: Considering the very first story I'm about to share with you is the real story behind the Exorcist? Oh shit. Yep, I'm ready. Cool. So here's my SVU. Here are their stories. Which actually made sense, except we had a little sidebar. <laughs> OK. Something that many people may not know is the film "The Exorcist" is based on a real-life exorcism. Oh wow of a 13-year-old boy in Maryland a in boy. 1949. No one knows this boy's true identity. Oh. Uh, his name was changed to protect his privacy. So he is often referred to as Roland Doe. Um, instead, of John Doe. Or Roland Shit. Or Roland <laughs> Shit. And in other documents, he's called Robbie Manheim. Mm. So you'll hear him referred to as both. So Roland slash Robbie's possession began following the death of his aunt. So he and his aunt were super close um, and his aunt was into like more spiritual things mm-hmm. and had introduced him to a Ouija boards. Oh no. Yeah. Nothing good starts with a Ouija board. No. So his aunt died and he turned to the Ouija board to try and communicate with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like things not to do. This is obviously how a horror movie starts. Shortly after, he began hearing scratching noises in his bedroom walls Mm-mm. and his mattress started moving erratically on its own. No. As the possession worsened, Roland began demonstrating violent superhuman strength. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we went from like tinkering around on a Ouija board to shits moving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The family turned to their Lutheran pastor. Pastor uh, Luther Miles Schultz for help, mm-hmm. aptly na- named Luther the Lutheran pastor. Mm-hmm. Yep, Luther the Lutheran pastor <laughs> uh, had long been interested in parapsychology, and Schultz arranged for Roland to uh, spend the night in his home in order to observe him.
0: Oh, it feels like red flag
1: number two, right? Why
0: would you invite that into your house?
1: So Schultz claimed that he witnessed like household objects and furniture started moving by themselves and reported this to like other parapsychologists. So this pastor's like something's weird, something weird's going on and he tells this other guy named Joseph Banks Rhine. Rhine reportedly wondered if Schultz like had unconsciously exaggerated some of the facts. Mm. but Schultz did advise the boy's parents to see a Catholic priest. Yeah. Yeah. We all see how this is
0: going. The Lutherans are like, listen, we're not prepared.
1: No. We want to see it. Going to check it out and then divert to the higher power, Mm. a different power. (laughs) Roland's parents sought help from Father E. Albert Hughes, who requested permission from the church to conduct an exorcism. Obviously, the ritual became violent, and Roland tore springs off his mattress and used it to slash Father Hughes across the shoulders.
0: Shit.
1: Like, imagine what was going on in this bedroom.
0: Well, and it's not even, I mean, I don't know how they used to make mattresses, but that doesn't sound like an easy thing to do. No. Like, like you have you, to cut through several layers. Right. Pull out this sp-
1: how does one do that? Pull the spring out. Yeah. And then, like, I assume you're being restrained in some way. Break through your restraints. I don't know at what point that happens. And then, like, slash the priest with the spring. That's wild. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Can you imagine seeing that, too? And, like, knowing... Like, I wonder if he was calm. And then he starts coming towards you with the spring. Like,
1: It's a no for me.
0: All around. I'm going to pass. Yeah.
1: Hard pass. Was not made for exorcisms. So, this happened. And Father Hughes dipped. It was like... This is above my pay grade. Yep. The family then headed to St. Louis and saw three more priests who, with the permission of his parents, carried out a total of 30 exorcisms on Roland. Wow. So the priests, these three priests from St. Louis reported that his outbursts mostly occurred at night. Okay. And he would wake up in the morning and have Uh, messages like etched into his skin oh
0: my god
1: so i don't know if it was like fingernails or what but something carved messages into his skin
0: like not even just like a word but like like, sentences right yeah
1: (gasps) shit um he would often they would often hear guttural voices and he would exhibit extreme strength which like mm-hmm. obviously if you're tearing springs out of a mattress you got some superhuman strength going on there that's wild especially for a 13 I like was remember say, this kid's 13 right i'm imagining a scrawny like blonde-haired kid who's socially too. awkward yeah and like reaching into his mattress and pulling it out wow yeah so um he would also become angry at the sight of religious iconography, like crosses, uh, Bibles, etc. And people stated that they saw items flying across the room. Mm. I would like to assume he threw them. However, that's definitely not
0: what it sounded like. No, I believe both at this point.
1: Yeah. So the exorcisms became worse and worse. And like, he also would uh, wet the bed and like violently curse at priests, like all those things too. So yeah. there's a lot happening. Apparently one final exorcism worked a miracle. Mm. So the very last exorcism that he experienced, um, I think like exorcism number 32, took a total of seven minutes. Oh, wow. There were multiple priests and they observed Roland coming out of his trance-like state, and he simply stated, quote He's gone.
0: Oh, wow. So, seven priests and seven
1: minutes. Seven minutes and multiple priests. Gotcha. It doesn't say how many priests. Okay. Uh, Reportedly, after this final exorcism and defeating the devil, uh, he never suffered from possession again. Wow. Now, I did a little digging because I'm super curious and nosy at this point, right? And according to Wikipedia, there were two newspapers... I'll tell you their names in a second, who reported that his true identity was Ronald Edwin Hunkling, Hunkler, Hunkler. Okay. Is he on Facebook? No. (laughs) These two newspapers are the Skeptical Inquirer Mm. and the Guardian. So, yeah, who's to say? However, Ronald Edwin Hunkler was born June 1st, 1935 and died May 10th, 2020. So, oh. if this is the same person, he lived a good long life. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not it's true, R.I.P. Ronald.
0: Pour some out for those who can't be here.
1: For sure. That is the true story of the exorcism.
0: Wow. So, he was just just some random kid. Oh, And, and I wonder how that translates to I the way that the, the movie script was written. Because they changed the gender of the person mm-hmm. and... I've actually never seen The
1: Exorcism. Like, I don't do exorcism movies. Yeah. I did see the next movie that we're about to talk about. Okay. But I have not seen The Exorcism. Got it. And after, like, just reading this kid's story, not super sure I wanted to. But when you Google, like, true stories of exorcisms, Roland Doe, Roland Shit Doe (laughs) is... The person who comes up the most like that's the most common the most credible yeah story of an exorcism weird or series of exorcisms Mm -hmm. in this case so the next one i'm going to tell you about is the person who inspired the 2005 film the exorcism of emily rose Mm. this one i have seen but it's been a really long time so this is the story of the exorcism of annalise michael so annalise is a young german woman she was born in 1952 And at the age of 16, she was at school, blacked out, and when she came to, started exhibiting some unusual behavior. Weird. Yeah. We hear kind of some of the same things. Like, within a year of her blacking out and this, like, experience at school, she starts wetting her bed, experiencing seizures, she's having some hallucinations, so the doctor's Good parents take her to the doctor and they diagnose her with epileptic psychosis, Hmm. which might be my next wormhole, as well as visual and auditory hallucinations. So she ended up being hospitalized. Okay. And who knows, right? Like you can black out from any number of things. There's no mention of a Ouija
0: board. That's a good point. So she just collapsed one day and all of a sudden wakes up and...
1: Yeah. And it's now like... Wetting the bed and having seizures and having hallucinations.
0: Well, those sound like yeah, those do sound like medical. Like we're not right. at this the space where we're prepared to say possession yet. Right? right. Exactly.
1: So over time, her symptoms intensify and begin like she starts to develop this aversion again towards religious iconography. Her family is Catholic, mm-hmm. and they can they start to wonder if this is a demonic possession.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: It could also be, like, if your family is praying over you and you've got all this stuff going on, maybe you just don't want to see any more crosses for a while. Maybe. You know, might need a break. All right. Who knows? She began claiming that she could see the devil's face and hear voices mocking her, quote, unquote, damned spirit.
0: Okay, that's scary.
1: Yeah. Seeing faces? Seeing faces. The devil's face, specifically, and hearing voices. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But she was already having, like, auditory and visual hallucinations.
0: Yeah. So I wonder wonder, if there was a a ghost riding her at night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was a witch. A witch. (laughs) But I wonder, too, like, how much of this is, like, persuasion. You know, if your family believes you might be possessed and they're talking about it around you and you're already maybe unstable in some way, like... How much of that influences your subconscious or psyche to, like, start seeing things and hearing things? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So her family goes to the church for help, but the priests actually urged her to see a doctor. So the priests were like, "Mm, let's wait it out. Let's see what's going on. Explained that real-life exorcism required the authorization of a bishop. Right. So they went to the church. Church said, no, go to the doctor gotta see about getting this bishop on board so it got even worse Mm. here's here's the part that got me she began eating spiders (gasps) stop coal and the head of a dead bird shut up she would also drink her own urine bark like a rabid dog and perform hundreds of squats a day
0: no, 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 no. Fuck it's that. A no for me. Oh my God. I don't know why the squat, hundreds of squats a day. Hundreds of squats. me over the edge. A day. And she's like Ozzy Oz boring the shit out of a bird? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Dead I just, bird I'm envisioning
0: head. her in like the corner doing squats. Yeah.
1: Fuck that. And in the other corner, we have Ronald Weasley who's like terrified of spiders and like uh-huh. watching her be covered in spiders and eating them.
0: Well, well, they say that you like people eat an average of I don't know whatever spiders in their lifetime. Sure, which, sure yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: okay. So we got our girl Annalise over here doing squats. Fuck that. So finally, the priest is like, mm, "Let me talk to the bishop." Right. So, a friend, <laughs> it's time. Our guy Ernest goes and gets approval from the bishop to perform an exorcism. He spent 10 months with another priest named Arnold Renz, and they performed 67 exorcisms on Annalise. Wow. During these exorcisms, she claimed to be possessed by... Oh, this gets real wild. You ready? I'm ready. She claims to be possessed by Adolf Hitler, oh. Nero, okay, Lucifer, wow, Cain, Judas, and a disgraced priest named... Fleshman, which is a really gross name if that's how you pronounce it
0: <laughs> okay so some brand name yeah like christian guys
1: pulled out pulled out the big guns for this yeah. one her condition worsened and she broke bones in her knees from repeatedly kneeling for prayer oh so no. on top of now doing these hundreds of squats a day they're you know forcing her to kneel in prayer um, and then she breaks her she's breaking knees. her knees yeah Literally. Soon, she stopped eating food altogether and died of malnutrition and dehydration. No way! At the age of 23 in 1976. I had no idea she died. Yeah, she dies. What? Sorry, I did try and warn you that not everyone makes it.
0: She died of malnutrition. She starved to death because she wouldn't eat.
1: (gasps) Yeah. The Whoa. priests and family were investigated and charged with negligent homicide and found guilty of manslaughter.
0: No way. Yeah. Well, okay, here's my question, too: is like, if your child is possessed, right. Where? What are you doing with them? Like, are they just hanging out in a room, like, in your apartment or your house? Or are they in an institution? So,
1: like, when I was first reading and researching the story, I couldn't figure out exactly how long she spent in hospitals. Because, like, her family did take her to the doctor. Yeah. And she did have some diagnoses. But otherwise, like, she seemed to be home. Yeah. Just doing squats, eating spiders, Eating a dead bird head.
0: Um, well, and it takes a while. Like, you hear all these different, like, how long you can go without food. Right. I don't know what the right answer is. But, like, starving to death can take a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, months, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, if it you're eating on how anything. much. Exactly. Yeah. At the age of 23. 23. So, as I a reminder, no she started to experience this at 16. Oh. <sighs> So, and then, so she blacked out at 16, and then about a year is how long it took for symptoms to really set in. So, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. So, six years.
0: So, if it was really a possession, wouldn't it have, wouldn't the exorcism have worked? Not necessarily, maybe. I
1: mean, it took our first guy 30 They tried 67 times. That
0: is wild.
1: Yeah. I mean, just imagine that energy,
0: Mm -hmm. like the
1: energy around her, the energy within her family. We also don't know a ton about like her early life other than these exorcisms. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like we don't know what trauma she may have experienced or what initially caused, like it could have just been a seizure that caused her to pass out the first time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So yeah, who knows? Wow. All right. I think my next one is the last one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you thought exorcisms were a thing of the past, think again. In 2008, a board-certified psychiatrist and teacher at Columbia University and the New York Medical College, Dr. Richard Gallagher, declared that his patient, Julia, was possessed.
0: In 2008? Yes.
1: She was the, quote, self-proclaimed high priestess of a satanic cult, dressing (laughs) in flowing black robes, And black eyeshadow that went back to her temples. So, interesting fashion choice.
0: Yeah, I did it myself.
1: Yeah, but I don't know that that necessarily means you're possessed.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: After feeling as if she was being attacked by a demon, Julia reached out to a local priest who reached out to Dr. Gallagher, who put her in psychiatric treatment. Right. So, I feel like we kind of went the right route here. Julia thought maybe there was a demon issue. She is a self-proclaimed high priestess of a satanic cult, ends up in psychiatric treatment. What could go wrong? (laughs) Dr. Gallagher ruled out mental illness after seeing Julia, who was speaking in tongues, sharing details about his life that she couldn't know, and entering trance-like stares and making items fly off the shelves in his office.
0: Oh my God, can you imagine?
1: I don't know that that would make me feel less or more inclined to consider mental illness. But he rolled it out at this point.
0: Well, if you're seeing shit fly off the fucking shelves. Have you seen the new Matilda? I was going to say, I did it with my powers.
1: No, yeah. there's a new one? There's a new Matilda on uh, Disney Plus? No, I haven't Netflix? seen it. It's uh, the musical Matilda. Ooh. It's so good. But she talks about having so many brains that like it, she feels like the power is coming out of her eyes. Oh. When he first met Julia, she immediately began to point out the secret weaknesses of everyone in the room. She also knew that his mother had passed away from ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. So, like, how would she know this stuff right, right. other than maybe Google if she was super nosy? Julia went through eight exorcisms, during which she spewed threats. She levitated.
0: Oh, my God. No. Big no for me. No.
1: Exhibited super strength and changed the temperature of the room. No. In 2008? In 2008. No. Yeah. She taunted Dr. Gallagher's team of priests and nurses and voices that did not belong to her and began to make guttural and animalistic noises. According to Dr. Gallagher, he and his team were not able to fully help Julia because she called off the exorcism saying that she enjoyed the power she received when she channeled the demonic entity possessing her body
0: it's a totally
1: different take what is she doing now after calling off the exorcism he said he only heard from julia one more time to say that she was dying of cancer
0: oh fuck
1: so we don't even know julia's full name we have very little information about her but yeah she went through eight exorcisms and then was like actually i may not mind
0: this that is wild. Yeah. Well, I okay. So she's the high priestess of a satanic cult. Satanic cult. Okay. I mean, there's a difference between being a sat like being a Satanist, right, and being in a satanic cult. So I'm assuming she wasn't just like a re- like a regular cool yeah. down to earth Satanist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, isn't it the satanic church that has like the abortion ritual? I don't know. Oh my gosh, hang on. Let me pull this up really quickly. This is super interesting. And mine was short today, so I feel like I can tell you about it. Okay, here are the seven fundamental tenets of the Satanic Temple. Number one, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. Amen. Number two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Okay. Number three, one's body is invaluable, subject to to one's own will alone okay um which i think is where so they have a sacred abortion ritual for unintended collisions of sperm and eggs okay so because it's now a religious practice it cannot be taken away if you are a member of this church Huh. so it was like a law loophole Because it's part of religious freedom for them, Mm -hmm. and it's a a sacred practice. The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Uh, Number five, belief should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. I love all of this. Yeah. Number seven, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to try and rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. And number eight is every tenant is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. Hmm. Yeah. So I can get behind that. Yeah. But a satanic cult sounds like a, a different vibe maybe yeah
0: yeah I would think that would be
1: yeah one of these is not like the other yeah yeah um especially if you're like super interested in the dark power that you feel when you're possessed Mm -hmm.
0: I would be really hesitant if I was experiencing some of these symptoms to even like I got like what do you do like at, at what point are you reaching out for help right
1: yeah, that's, that's a like great s- question. That's the most
0: vulnerable thing I can think of.
1: That's a really phenomenal question. And I guess it de- depends, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, because you're afraid of what's happening to you.
1: Mm-hmm. You're afraid of what would happen to you. Exactly. Like, no one wants to go through 67 exorcisms. No. Uh, or 30 or 7. Like, I don't even want to experience one.
0: No. No, that's absolutely terrifying. In 2008.
1: One of the things that does stand out to me is the religious connection for all three of these individuals. Mm -hmm. So, like, the first was raised Lutheran, but somehow involved in Catholicism, either just for the exorcisms or maybe even beforehand. The second was deeply Catholic. And then the third was part of the satanic cult. Yeah. Um. Like, there's definitely a religious tie for all of them. I'd be curious to learn, like, any atheist or agnostic people who have experienced possessions, and mm-hmm. that's not something I researched.
0: Yeah, that's a whole other. That's a whole other episode, maybe. It potentially. Add it right to the list.
1: Yeah. Super interesting. Wow. Great job. Thank you. Wild
0: ride. Yeah, I knew it would be. I'm officially terrified. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is setting, and. I am not looking forward to falling asleep. Do you need me to stay the night? (laughs) Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about some history. And we're back. All right. So today we're going to be talking about the Rosetta Stone.
1: Is this where you go to learn German on a CD?
0: Nine. (laughs) This is a very cool topic and it piggybacks off of the one from last week. So if you haven't listened to that for both of our topics, go back and and listen to uh, the episode right before this, which I can't remember what number it is, but... You can figure it out. Yep. You're all smart. But we talked about um, our guy Napoleon and Mm -hmm. um, him coming in, trying to, you know, basically, you know, overtake some of the the land being sent back to where he came from. Abandoning the people who were still there. Abandoning the people who were still there. Everybody, not everybody ended up making it home, but all the scholars did. And part of what they discovered while they were there uh, was the Rosetta Stone. So, in July of 1799, French scholars, members of Napoleon's army, discovered a slab of stone with three separate inscriptions. It, the stone itself was being used as a foundation of a building in modern-day Rashid. The slab was granadarite. Gra, never heard of it. Never heard of it either. And it was four feet tall, two and a half feet wide and 11 inches thick and weighed basically like 1600 pounds. So this was not like a
1: doorstop that someone was casually using. No, like this she's was thick. Okay, she a thick girl.
0: So I did look up because we're stone people, right? Yeah. And I had never heard of Granite, Uh, but it's known for its calming healing properties. It is said to help center individuals and help those who obtain it to be less reactive during moments of high stress. Ooh. so i feel like can i get one can i get some yeah <laughs> can that be the new bed yeah rock bed bedrock yeah propping bedrock. the bed up oh bedrock oh cute so the first set of words that well, was
1: inscripted on the rock the people who found it did they feel calm like did they feel grounded after finding this like i don't know okay i did not
0: read that in my research I would assume
1: so, because this is a very large slab of the stuff.
0: Yeah. So the first set of words was hieroglyphics. Okay. The second paragraph of words was something called Egyptian demotic script.
1: Not to be confused with demonic.
0: Right. That's part one. Correct. (laughs) And the third was Greek. By the 4th century AD... Very few Egyptians were capable of reading hieroglyphics, which is something that I didn't realize. It was no. it was like long gone, basically. It was used less and less commonly as temple priesthoods died out and Christianity and Greek spread through the area. Mm-hmm. Hashtag colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> the last known hieroglyphic inscription was dated August 24th, 394. 394.
1: 394. 394. The year 394. Correct. There is a year 394. I
0: know, isn't that wild?
1: It's so weird. So it should not have less than four digits.
0: Right? So copies of the stone were made because, you know, there's, there's Greek. So in theory, right, they're going to be able to, because they can read Greek, so they're going to be able to backtrack uh, because these three paragraphs are identical. So it's going to be the way to crack the code on, on what these other two languages
1: are. Are we, I guess the assumption is they're identical, right? I mean, we know that they're identical correct, and that we
0: figured it out. Did they always know they were identical? Well, they, they cracked the second paragraph. They were able Pretty, to figure okay. out what that was and because those two were identical. Then they, they assume. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yep. Okay. I'm with you again. So copies of the stone were made and the race began to try to decipher the writing. While all of this is going on, Napoleon is fighting his war against the British and the Egyptians. And as you'll remember from last week, the war ends with Napoleon's army surrendering. You will also remember that the British attempt to keep all of the Egyptian artifacts that they had. However, an agreement was made that the French would could keep most of it. But so it's unclear about how the Rosetta Stone fell in the hands of the British. Like we don't, we don't cuz i guess they would they might have left it behind cuz it was so large maybe yeah their we're pockets th- were full already yeah we're not quite sure once the stone reached britain in 1802 plaster casts were made and given to oxford cambridge edinburgh and the trinity college of dublin it's important to note here that the english did not do all the work to crack the code on the hieroglyphic trans- translation Arab historians in medieval Egypt during the 9th and 10th centuries also attempted to do the same thing. The first historians to study hieroglyphics were Dulnul al-Misra and Ibn Washdiya. I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) They compared hieroglyphics to a Coptic language that was used by Coptic priests during their time. More attempted to contribute during the 16th and 17th century, but it wasn't until the discovery of the Rosetta Stone that they were finally able to crack it. Jean Francois, I see, I never look up how to say Jean Francois, Champollion, ultimately solved the puzzle 201 years ago. So, what was the Rosetta Stone? What was its purpose, and why was it written? The text, all the same questions I have right I mean yeah because it in some ways is really important what it says but it could also be nothing at all right it could be a grocery list but I feel like it's what's
1: interesting about it is whoever
0: carved the Rosetta stone
1: mm-hmm. was either it was multiple people or one person who was fluent in three languages in the year 300 so true like that blows my mind a little bit yeah. Three completely different writing styles, too. Yeah, Agreed.
0: Wow. Agreed.
1: How shitty would it be if it was, like, uh, paper towels, <laughs> a cow? Yeah.
0: Yeah. New sheets. New sheets. Shoes. Drop off the Blockbuster <laughs> DVD bag. <laughs> um, so the text was written with the intention of being displayed in a temple. So this is what they're finding out. They're like, what is it? It was supposed to be displayed in a temple. It was a priestly decree, and it was issued on March twenty seventh, one hundred and ninety six <gasps> B.C. What? By a council of priests. One ninety six B.C. Shit. The text discloses the importance of their king, and how he should be treated like a god. So sure. it's it's just like a, you know, pay hey, put this in all the temples, let everybody know. I'm um, Like a god, everybody has to go to these temples to participate in the religion, so yep. everybody's going to see it. The last line of each of these sections, uh, each of the sections stated that this decree must be carved in stone, and it must be set up in the most important temples. So that was one of the first things that they could decipher. All of the last lines are exactly identical. Okay. And it's giving instructions about what the stone is for. And I had never really thought about it, but it, it's basically propaganda, though, right? It's like, you know... Yeah. Hey, and I'm still stuck on our North Korea episode. <laughs> um,
1: hey, put this in the middle of your temple, and it will tell you how to treat this guy like a king, right. like a god.
0: Well, and it must have been, like, such an interesting time, too, because when this was written, Egypt was, was very much like a bilingual nation. You would hear people speaking Greek because it was more internationally known, uh, and then people would also speak, you know, Egyptian at home. Right. So, maybe it was in multiple languages
1: because of the different caste systems? Possibly. I don't know. I'm just maybe. trying to figure out why
0: would it be in three languages. Unclear, just so everybody could read it, I yeah. guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they believed uh, that the decree was originally Greek. And the discussion of seeing the pharaoh as God is much more of a Greek idea than the Egyptian morals and beliefs of the time. It was most likely written in Greek, shipped over, and then translated into the other two languages. Okay. Visually, hieroglyphics are all more or less figurative. So you know we're, we're seeing all these beautiful carved imagery, basically, and hieroglyphics. Like we can all see, we can all visualize what we perceive hieroglyphics look like, right? Right. But they, the, those images represent real or Abstract elements. Sometimes they're stylized and simplified, but all generally are are a recognized image, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. However, like a sign can, depending on the context, be interpreted in many ways. It can be a, a phonogram or phonetic reading, right? A logogram or a character that represents a word, okay? Or an ideogram, a character that represents an idea or a concept. So, think of, like, the no diving sign, right? Yeah, gotcha. We totally understand what that means.
1: Yeah. It sounds... It actually sounds a little, like, Japanese. Because, like, Maybe. they have their, like, one symbol means a word, but it's also a sound. Mm-hmm. And,
0: yeah. I know nothing about Japanese, so I'll take your word for cool. it.
1: Cool. Yeah. They, they sound similar.
0: Quote, the most non-determinative hieroglyphic signs are phonograms, whose meaning is determined by pronunciation independent of visual characteristics. This follows the rebuse principle where for example the picture of an eye could stand only for the English word i but also for a phonetic equivalent the first person pronoun i. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it could it could mean one or both or like a different context. Huh. Phonograms formed with one consonant are called literal signs with two consonants, biliteral signs, and three tri-literal, triliteral signs. Language is very interesting. I've always been really terrible with languages.
1: I, I haven't been great, great. Yeah. Well, but I did have a Rosetta Stone at one point for German, actually.
0: Well, what's the, what's like the pre, is it Mosey? Do you remember Mo? like the pre- rosetta stone it was like the big fuzzy guy on tv
1: yeah i do remember that i don't remember his name i don't either mosey sounds right maybe
0: um but now they have
1: have. duolingo
0: yeah and i love duolingo i've heard really good things about it it's fun they're they're getting a lot better about the psychology behind language right especially because they understand that we're all adults trying to learn it right because we're the
1: one of the few countries in the world that doesn't prioritize learning multiple languages early in life correct So we're all out here as adults wanting to learn multiple languages. Right.
0: So this is where the translation first started, okay? With the phonetic letters, they started with the phonetic letters that could be directly translated and assigned a Greek letter. So they were like, we're going to start with apples to to apples. So once they could find that those letters equaled the other letters, they kind of tried to work backwards from there. So let's take a second to talk through some of the symbols in the hieroglyphic alphabet. Mm. If you'll please turn to the Google document I shared with you. I've been good and I haven't even cheated and read it. I'm so happy. You'll scroll down on page one to the hieroglyphic alphabet. Ah, A is for albatross. A is for albatross. All right, so let's kind of go through some of these. And we'll have this up on our Instagram too for uh, people who are interested. There's a lot of birds on here. Yeah. Have you noticed that? So A looks kind of like a toucan to me, or blue winged vulture or a blue winged vulture. The letter B is literally like the bottom half of a leg it's like it's a barefoot, it's a barefoot cut off below the knee. yep. the letters W and O together are another bird, kind of a chickadee vibe, kind of a chickadee vibe, yeah, think uh, of like Eastery, a warble. <laughs> The or KH is interesting. An oracle. An oracle. Okay. I'm gonna stop here real soon. Keep going. <laughs> the K- there's a KH
1: with those letters together. That looks like a ball of yarn to me. It does, like for knitting, mm-hmm. which starts with
0: the K. There we go. Or H. Huh. Hmm. We've got K, which is a basket. Yep. Would you like to take it out and ask it? <laughs> <laughs> We've got N, which is a squiggly line. H looks like a DNA strand, a helix, a double helix. Yeah, which
1: reminds me of, like, the Red Cross snake thing. The Red Cross snake thing? Or the medical thing? No? Mm-mm.
0: We'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I is. It looks like a feather, maybe? Is a half of a feather? Half of a feather.
1: Or, you know those signs that they put outside of house, like... Like, mobile home sales places. Oh, yeah. come up. And yeah. then, yeah, and then they have the fabric piece hanging down. Yes. It's, like, open. Yes. That's what that
0: looks like. Yes, that is so true. That's funny. G is a chariot. It took me a while to figure out what that was, but that's... Is it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I believe you. Glamping tent. Or a glamping tent. Um, P is a door.
1: Yep. Passageway. Um,
0: F is a snail. Or a slug. Or a slug yeah, it doesn't have the bat, like the the shell. shell yeah. the th combo is like a sideways u. It right. looks like a stethoscope on its side or a stirrup or a stirrup could be without the bottom on its side. I don't know. It's because look at s too. It's like, oh, yeah, the s same, but the other way, but shorter yeah. and red. I don't know if the color means anything. M is an owl, I think. yep. J is a snake. Yep. Y is the double I, the double trailer park advertisement piece. (laughs) D is a hand. Talk to the hand. But it's like... On its side. On its side. Like you're shaking somebody's hand, maybe. Q, I have no idea what that is. Q is a line graph going up into a
1: bell curve, but only like one quadrant.
0: Wow. Amen. Uh, R, I think, is an eye. It looks like an eye. Or really skinny lips. An eyeball. L is a whole ass lion. What's coming out of the middle of its back? A tail. For why? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> they made them different back then. <laughs> and then the sh or the sh looks like a Lego. Yeah. Right? Yep. So it, it's just, it's wild. So you'll, in, you'll, you'll notice that there's no L, no O, no V. Or E or X. There was no love in Egypt. There was no love in Egypt. A- and, and the vowels aren't like we know vowels to be trad- today. So it's a little bit of an oversimplification to think that we can spell out words using only these letters. Right. That doesn't necessarily work. It's like someone who would only fingerspell ASL, just fingerspell and every single letter. All the context. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It just doesn't make sense. In fact, I will give you an example. Take a look at the other image on page two. Okay. Take a look at this image. Do you see the series of characters that's in a circle? Yes. Okay. So that is Ptolemy, who was the name of the pharaoh, who's supposed to be revered as a god. So this doesn't match apples to apples to the alphabet. The verbs come first in ancient Egyptian. Interesting. Yeah. So with using what we know... I'm going to see if you can guess the following sentence. So look down on page uh, right below that one. So it's a bird, a foot, a squiggly, a nipple looking thing, an arm. Does this say podcast
1: without an audience? (laughs) It does not. Okay. So we've got a W or an O, a B, an N. What the heck is under the N? An R, an M. I have zero idea. Okay. Okay.
0: So, we have WBN, okay? The circle on the left side of this represents the sun. So, not only do we have these letters, we also oh. now have spatial context, right? Oh, my gosh. How cool. Right? On the right-hand side, you'll notice a rectangle and a half moon. Yeah. The rectangle is a P and the half moon is a T. And the table-looking thing is imagery of the sky. Huh. So this sentence says the sun is shining in the sky. I never would have gotten there.
1: No. And this is beautiful, but you're right. It reminds me a lot of sign language. Like you have to pay attention to where things are in space, their mm-hmm. relationship to each other. Classifiers.
0: Yeah. Look at you pulling in some ASL. Mm-hmm. Girl, I mm-hmm. see you. Mm-hmm. Just as a reminder, Karian and I met a hundred years ago in Sign Language One class. Yep. And we're bonded for the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives. This is a very visual episode because we're talking about letters and language. So again, I'm gonna instruct everyone to go to our Instagram. So if you'll turn to the next series of of images as well, these are not letters, but these are these these all mean something. They're all like signifying They're something. They're all signifying something. And you'll notice that a lot of these look similar. So the first one is a gentleman who is kind of kneeling and it has one hand up. And you'll notice that all of these are from a peripheral res- perspective. Right. So we gotta see the boobs. Gotta see the boobs. We're seeing the sides of people's faces. But this guy is similar to to the one right next to it but the difference is they're gendered right so the one on the left you can tell is a is a man because in relationship to the to the image of the woman because the woman is wearing a possible head covering and dress right so they're using a lot of clothing to to differentiate when you put them together that's people so the more you know, the more figures you have, the more people you have. They have a weird-looking person who is, a, is supposed to represent a child. How would you describe that? Someone who may need a squatty potty? <laughs> it, it's weird. Like it, I can't tell exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit. But then you kind of get into the, the progression, right? You've got an old, an old person, so it would be either the man or woman holding up a staff.
1: Which so, also looks very much like the official who's right next to him. Correct. Which I guess if you are looking at like an old man and an official like you would respect them both. Yeah. It's so like maybe there's something about respect
0: like underlying in both of these. Maybe. I think the difference that is that the old man has like more of a stooped posture and the official's more like properly composed. Standing, yeah. yeah.
1: Can I tell you what jumps out at me about this really quickly? Yes. So, I'm looking at the king and god king. Uh Uh-huh. So, all three look very similar. So, king and woman, too, in my opinion. And woman looks very, very similar to the king and god and king. But what's interesting, on the next row, we have goddess or queen. And they deviate completely from looking like people.
0: And they look like cobras. They do look like cobras. I was hoping you would bring that up that's fascinating to me that is really interesting because you're exactly right they're they don't like people they're they're snakes and there's two of them yeah one's in a basket one's just free
1: <laughs> how interesting
0: i wonder if it's who- positive or negative right yeah
1: good question i also wonder who figured out that this was goddess or queen
0: I don't know. Well, our, our homeboy that we just talked oh, about.
1: Oh, okay. He decoded everything?
0: Yeah, he cracked the code. Wow. I mean, because then you can... So, basically, they, they cracked the Rosetta Stone. They started with the singular letters, and they were able to 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 look up... You know, they found out that the, the pharaoh's name was there, and then they could kind of work backwards from there. I mean, it took a long time. It, oh. it was not an easy thing, and then they were able to apply it to other... Hieroglyphics that they found in other places and, and learn more because not all of these images occurred in the Rosetta Stone, but context clues. Um, they have a penis.
1: The bottom row, second one in, phallus, beget, or urinate. It's a penis.
0: It is such a penis <laughs> right now. <laughs> you sent
1: a penis to my phone.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I also like the eat, there's one for eat, drink, speak, think, and feel. So I think it's just a picture of us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a guy just like eating a loaf of bread, maybe? Huh. I feel like we really missed
1: an opportunity making not making that part of our pod without an odd logo way that's, back when.
0: That's so true. Some of them are very, very, very obvious. Like the 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 image for ear is literally an ear. Yeah. But the one for land is is like a little tiny kernel of something. Like you can't even really differentiate. And then there's a sign for for limb. I saw that, yeah. Which kind of looks a like a little circle. Meme. Yeah, it's just like a little circle. And then the the one that that represents town village, town and village is like a circle with an X through it, and that would like make sense. Like a railroad
1: from, crossing. Sign.
0: Or like a railroad crossing. That would make sense from like a map perspective yeah, where you're like, like, this is where this is. You are here. But I can't see it carved on like a, yeah. that's like a spatial context thing. Like you would need, there, there would need to be some other things. This is all super interesting. Again, we're going to post this online. The last thing that I wanted to touch on is that language is always evolving and it's always evolved. Think about how words have changed over time. And the same is true for hieroglyphics. It is silly to think that the images meant the same thing for forever and always, mm-hmm. and even like regionally. We know that even ASL has regional signs. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, in every language. In fact, hieroglyphics probably changed in meaning from its inception to the date that the Rosetta Stone was created. So assuming that that's true... How much of a discrepancy is there in the older text translations, assuming that they use the Rosetta Stone to translate it? I'm always like, a translate translation is the most important thing. Absolutely. Ever, right? If we're really looking at what things are supposed to mean, we have to look at the origins and what was going on at the time. So, yeah, I mean, if we're assuming that ling- language is always evolving, there could be some misrepresentation of the ultimate translations right yeah you're right you're right so that's something to think about but i think it goes back to a large infatuation with egypt and the fact that there were so many things that we just don't know
1: well now i want to book a trip to egypt let's go let's do it let's do pod it with an odd goes to egypt
0: pod with an odd season two pod with an odd Pod with an odd <laughs> but that my friend is the rosetta stone and hieroglyphics that was beautifully done. Thank, Thank you, you so much.
1: I learned a ton. In fact, I was so engrossed in your story that I did not once think of an intersection. Um, so.
0: Maybe it's about perception.
1: Ooh. Um, look at you with the the good intersection
0: this time. All you have to do is just say something really vague, right? <laughs> <laughs> just go super wide. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the perception... Well, maybe that was our intersection last week. Am I double dipping intersections two weeks in a row?
1: Potentially, we also both did two parter. So, That's so true.
0: But um, perception, or seems maybe valuable. the, the uh, maybe the
1: unknown. Okay, uh, and also how perspective shift over time. There we go. So to your last point, like how you know the ways that historically we've perceived language and language now versus how we. Like understood exorcisms, yeah. To now,
0: beautiful. Let's roll with it. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. This was a fun one. This was fun. I liked. uh, I liked it. Keeping it kind of not light. Light sounds weird, but yeah. Keeping it. We kept it real. Yeah. Keeping it real. Dolly's been a big fan
1: of this episode. Dolly is. She's joined us a lot. This round.
0: She's. uh, We came home and there was poop on the floor and a hairball on the floor. Mm. so she's she's had a big day
1: yep we're we're experiencing the poop on the floor with a cat too so
0: tis the season tis the season to be poopy all right guys thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next week in the meantime check us out on instagram and head on over to our patreon where you can get access to our cocktail recipes for season two uh i think we're going to be we're going to be drinking them next week so uh, and we're going to be talking about what we've got um just a little sneaky poo yeah, a um, teaser, little, little, little teaser. Um, but we're gonna have some classics. You'll see. You'll have to wait to stay tuned. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. If you support us, blink twice. And if you're out there, keep listening. Thank you for listening to Podcast without an audience. Find us on social media at Pod Without an Odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook, or find us on the web at Podcast Without an Audience Shoot us an email at podwithoutanod at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo. Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver. Editing by Jacob Beeson. We hope you enjoyed today's
1: episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. Again, thanks, and keep listening.